Okay, so <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Laughing Guru. In today's episode, we'll be covering topic how to start your spiritual journey. Let's be honest. No one starts exploring their spirituality without suffering. Pain is quite usually the catalyst which creates our journey to explore our spirituality. Questions like, what is happiness? What is love? How to get to know yourself? And generally just how to feel better. No one goes to the monastery, no one goes on retreat, no one picks out that spiritual book unless they have something going on. That's just the way it goes. Now, in Buddhist practice, in Buddhism, the first noble truth is that life is full of suffering. And to the Western audience, this sounds quite nihilistic. It sounds super negative and depressing. But Buddhism is far from that. Buddhism is a scientific approach and implementation of a concrete practice for the human mind to release their pain, release pain and find happiness and peace. There's all kinds of forms and misguided information, but ultimately it's a practice. You can be a Muslim, a Christian, a Hindu, whatever, to practice meditation. There's no religion. Why did you start to explore your spirituality, or why did you decide to start meditating? I guarantee you it's because you've reached your limit or there's something that you think spirituality can answer, some question you have. And I'd like to begin the podcast by saying, wherever you are and whoever you are, just understand that you're not alone and there are millions of people who actually feel just like you and feel somewhat alienated and a deep sense that there's something missing. There's something not right. And most people feel like the people around them are not really happy. I mean, Think about your life. 
how many people would you say are truly happy? When you think about that person, you think they're really happy. They're very peaceful. They're just happy with their lot in life. It's very rare. And the Buddhist concept is that it's never enough. Now this idea also gets misunderstood because to a Western audience, it makes sense to say that less is more. Because from, for most Westerners, or for the Western world compared to the rest of the world, we live in a state of luxury. We have a lot more than we need. Things that we may not even be aware of. And so it's an understandable concept to say, you know, less things, less desire, giving up some things to simplify your life will make you happier. But just a side note, there's a, there are a lot of places in the world where that message is not fair. If you grow up very like third world poor and you see people on TV with all this stuff, the idea that I should just accept being poor is ridiculous. So this idea that desire leads to suffering it's complicated because ultimately it's true. The more you want, desire makes you unhappy. But there's also volition and following your dreams and being free to explore your desires Sometimes you can only know that something won't make you happy unless you try it. If it's just an abstract idea, then it's very difficult to truly know this. So if you're beginning on the path of spirituality, I recommend that you don't become too rigid in your approach. As I said before, there's nothing religious about true spirituality. And the true teachings, you know, people like Jesus and Buddha, they weren't, the Buddha wasn't teaching Buddhism. And Jesus wasn't teaching Christianity. They were teaching love and understanding. <laughs> Humans created their teaching into a religion. And then, of course, it becomes diluted and poisonous. And stupid people start to create rules 
and justification for their hatred under this umbrella of religion. Judgmental. But the true seekers go beyond this. So now I want to talk about meditation, mindfulness. Meditation is the practice of coming back to the present moment or tuning into the present moment. Mindfulness is the awareness of what is, aware of what's going on, reality. We know that there is no past. There's no such thing as the past. It's an illusion. That's a fact. There's no such thing as the future. That's just a thought, a worry in our mind. The reality is this moment now, here and now. Meditation creates an anchor, a reference point into this moment. And it's a practice because we keep forgetting. So the goal of meditation, it's not just to sit for 30 minutes, to sit for an hour, it's to implement the stillness and calm that you've created in that, those 30 minutes into your daily life. An enlightened person doesn't need to remember anymore. They don't need to have a reference point. They're always here and now. Now, it's just my opinion to say that I don't necessarily believe in an enlightened person. I think life is full of moments and people can have enlightened moments. And the most enlightened people are the ones who have the most enlightened moments. I'm not sure if a person is capable of not making mistakes. You know, once you reach a certain point in your mind where you're at such peace that you do no harm and make no wrong actions and react perfectly to everything. I'm not sure if that's possible. I've never met someone like that. <laughs> so when I talk about enlightenment, I mean the potential, the possibility to tap into euphoria, happiness, and true peace in this moment, and that is possible. Now I know for a lot of you who are beginning on your journey, as I said, there's a reason you're beginning. And if you're anything like me, when you're in your darkest place, you believe that there's no light, 
at the end of the tunnel. There's no way out of this. I used to believe that happiness wasn't possible. I just couldn't feel good. And I believed that for a long time. I tried everything, therapists, medication, travel, nature, nothing worked for me except for meditation. So Buddhist practice is very personal for me because it saved my life. I was able to transform my life using the Buddhist philosophy, but I'm not a religious person. I don't like religion. I don't like control. So I'm talking to anyone who wants to heal. Like, I have no interest in traditions and set ways to, to find peace. If you are truly a seeker, a truly a peaceful person, you are open to anything. And judgmental people don't really grow. They're not really open to new ideas or trying different things. And if you think your way is the only way, you're wrong. <laughs> you haven't gotten out much. Because I've traveled the world and I've seen there's so many different kinds of Buddhism and explanations. And everyone thinks they're right. <laughs> and I just don't think there's any right or wrong. So where to begin? First of all, there's no need to do something that is so foreign to your own culture and do something that makes you so uncomfortable where the practice of meditation isn't rewarding for you. It should feel like a relief, not a burden. If you go to a meditation class, Sangha meeting, and there's white people chanting in Tibetan, you're probably in the wrong place. A lot of people, for me, I like to sit in the lotus position cross-legged because it helps me focus and I like to stretch my legs in that way. It stretches my legs. But the thing is, in Western culture, we sit in chairs. Sitting on the floor is uncomfortable for us. It's not our nature. So there's no need to adopt anything Eastern if it doesn't feel comfortable for you. You don't need to start bowing to your meditation teacher unless your meditation teacher is Asian and that's the polite thing to do in their culture and you want to show respect. 
So most of the time in our work at home, we sit in chairs. So if, if it's more comfortable for you, start your meditation in a chair and then it will be easier for you to transition and apply that to your daily life. There's two things that I would suggest when you start meditating. First thing is keep your spine straight, not overly rigid where it feels like you're too tight, but straight. This helps you stay alert and it helps if you sit crunched over for a while, your back will hurt. So this helps with your back and just focus. Secondly, try your best to stay still. Keep your body as still as possible. When you first start to meditate, you'll, you'll, no, you'll notice that your mind is all over the place and you can't stay still. So keeping your body still is kind of like calming the water. So your experience is like a mirror so you can see your mind. And the other thing I want to say is that a lot of people think if you can't focus or you don't feel peaceful or your mind is all over the place, you had a bad meditation. Please don't think this. There's no such thing as a bad meditation. It's like there's no bad there's no bad question. There's no stupid question. You're trying to become aware of what's going on. And just to be aware that your mind is all over the place is already you already are having success. So don't stress, just be aware of what's going on. And you have begun your spiritual journey when you've decided to stop and look inwards. And this takes tremendous courage because this is something new to you, right? All of our life, we have been running, running from our problems, escaping our self, our internal self with distractions and stimulations. Because we're scared to look at what's really inside of us. So it's easier to just stay distracted and stimulated and seek excitement all the time. But the problem is the stuff we're carrying around, it doesn't go anywhere. It just gets worse. And no one really teaches us that. Society It teaches us to be addicted to our screens, to seek out 
anything but just going inside. And if we have a moment to contemplate, it freaks us out. <laughs> We're scared. So it takes a level of courage to honestly look at yourself. Now, everyone is different. And so everything, the application will be different for everyone. So these are just generalizations. Some people have so much trauma that I wouldn't encourage them to meditate. They need to do a lot of other things first before they meditate. So if you're ready to meditate, I want to tell you a little bit about my experiences and my story. So when I first started to meditate, I was in such a bad place mentally. I was desperate. And I knew that the path I was walking, I would end up dead or in prison. The people around me, when I was in 11th grade, five of my friends, childhood friends, died either to gun violence or drugs. And I started to think about the people around me and I felt that I felt so alone and misunderstood and unsupported. And I was desperate to feel better. I was just so depressed. I had like an anxiety problem off the roof. I could barely talk to people, barely look them in the eye, and I would do whatever I could to escape, any drug I could do. And I was so desperate to be cool, and you know, I tried to be this like gangster, tough guy. You know, I'm from Philadelphia, so I tried to fit in, and it's a rough city, so I tried to be the coolest one, you know, and I'm not a tough guy, so it didn't work very well. <laughs> so when I started to meditate, I had a d determination to transform. And I didn't see any other option because I just, for me, when I sat, I was really good at it because it was like there was nothing else I could do. And I started to just become aware of the tension in my body. So I would sit and I'd feel this tension around my chest, around my heart. And it would just ache. And I would just have these like pains through my thigh, back, just stored pain, tension. And it would just kind of like, vibrate a little bit. Just the awareness of like, finally I was paying attention to my body and it was a wreck. And I would have experiences where I would just start crying. 
for no specific reason, I wasn't having a traumatic thought, a sad thought. It was just tension built up that was released. And so I started, I was like, okay, there's something to this. This is messed up. <laughs> I started going on meditation retreats. My first one was in a monastery called Blue Cliff in upstate New York. And it's a Vietnamese Zen monastery. They follow the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh, who recently passed, rest in peace. And when I first got there, as soon as I pulled into the parking lot, I see this Vietnamese monk walking from a distance and he's wearing those like cone Vietnamese hats that you may have seen on TV. A traditional Vietnamese sun hat. And he was walking to me, he like waved waved like I don't know where to go you know and he was walking so slow <laughs> and I got so pissed off I was literally like about to just get in my car and drive away I was like what the fuck is this guy walking so slow for instantly enraged <laughs> and he came up to me and he's like so calm he was so calm that it made me so uncomfortable. It was like a mirror. And I could see how nervous I was. And he showed me to my room and I started to feel more comfortable. And I would start to like practice with everyone. And you know, they're like sitting sometimes like standing in circles, singing songs. And I'm trying to be this tough guy, you know? So I, I'm like, oh no, this is, this is like a cult. I'm not, I'm not coming here to sing happy songs. And I, I was like, I'm not singing. <laughs> I just had that attitude. Like, I'm not singing songs with you guys. I'll sit and meditate, but you can keep that. <laughs> so arrogant, you know? I stayed there maybe a week and I was hooked. I, I transformed, like I was addicted right away because the practice is so profound there. They're specialists in healing. So if you have a lot of pain, I rec really recommend this tradition. And I just became addicted to meditation. So I started to meditate every day, like diligently. And I tried so hard in the practice. And I just kept going from there. And, you know, that turned into weeks and months spending at the monastery, which eventually led me to a program, an online program studying in Thailand for an international global retreat. And so I did this project in Philadelphia, peace project. I called it like Wake Up Philly. Got some friends together to try to wake them up and meditate with me. And I did the interview with a Thai monk and I was accepted. So next thing I know, I'm flying to Thailand 
to, to participate in this two-week retreat. And when I think back, this was really the beginning of kind of going deeply because the years before that was just, I was just trying to feel better. And I was in a really good place during this retreat. Like by the time I graduated college, I was, I had a girlfriend, I was happy. And I was just like kind of very, they call it the beginner's mind in Zen, where you're in your honeymoon phase of meditation where everything is bright and new and you're just so excited to practice and you want to share it with everyone. And you're, it's a very happy time. So I went on this retreat in Thailand and this was the beginning. And I started to learn this technique from this temple and I would have amazing experiences. <laughs> I would shoot out of my body, like out of body experiences. And their technique is pretty wild. Um, and I seem to be kind of the only one having this on a regular basis and it freaked me out. It was so powerful that it freaked me out. And I talked to the monk, I was like, listen, man, I, I feel like I need to wear a seatbelt before I meditate. And I explained everything that's happening. I explained that I'm free. It's scaring me. I kind of want to stop. He's like, Soren keep going. I know where you are. And you can ask anyone on the retreat, like I would, the meditation sessions would be an hour, I would get there early, be the first one there. And I would stay like 30 minutes to an hour more when everyone left because I was just I didn't want to move. I, became, I was just I found a place that was so full of warmth and love and light that <laughs> I didn't feel the need to move. So of course, after the two week retreat, I didn't want to go home. Everyone else went home. And I asked the program if I can stay in Thailand and volunteer. And they let me. So I stayed for a few months few months turned into me kind of deciding to not go back to the US. So at the time, I called my then girlfriend, and we were supposed to move in together. And I told her like, I'm not coming back. Take everything. I don't want anything. I'm going for enlightenment. <laughs> You know, my parents were probably like, oh, God, she expected it to. So I went to a forest monastery and I ordained as a monk. And after that, I decided, like, I want to stay and be a regular person. But coming back to the U.S. was too much of a culture shock, so I... I got my TEFL certification and started teaching English in Thailand. Did that for quite a long time. 
And that was the beginning of really starting to jump into the causes of suffering. But the beginning is really just awareness. It's all about awareness. And when you're starting out in the practice, you cannot go anywhere until you're calm. So this is very important. Being calm, tranquility, is a prerequisite for anything spiritual. And any teacher who is not calm and is trying to teach you by skipping steps, walk away now. <laughs> Calmness is the first step and is very important. It allows you to see and to heal. There's no awareness without calmness. And there's so many ways to do this, not just by sitting. So we need to connect the mind and the body. The awareness of all the tension and pain we store in our body. There's many things that you can do. Like for me, one thing that I've learned over the years is that exercise is my therapy. So going to the gym, I feel better mentally, I feel more confident, and it, it just works for me. For some people, it may be yoga, um, for others, it might be taking a walk in, in nature, swimming, massage, sauna, whatever it may be. Find what works for you to work on calming your body down. And for Americans, this is very difficult because we we're very anxious people. And... I used to be full of anxiety, but I don't have any of that anxiety as I did before. And it's exciting because when you start to experience that first calmness, it's euphoria. And this is beginner's mind. You start to feel like elated and excited because it's if you feel that first moment of happiness, that extra moment that you get when you meditate every day, you start to see that those moments are proof that you can get more, keep going. So the way to start your spiritual journey is just do it. Have to have the dedication to transform and also the courage to look at yourself honestly. There are gonna be days where 
that pain is just in your face and have the courage, the strength to not run away. Because what we're trying to do ultimately is change our habits, our habitual thinking. We form patterns of negativity and suffering and anxiety and we're substituting thoughts and actions and creating new pathways which make new decisions and open new doors. And it's a beautiful path. It can change your life. You can become inspiring for others. And as Maya Angelou said before, People forget what you say, they forget what you do, but they never forget how you made them feel. And when you, met, when you meet a spiritual person, it's like that. Their energy speaks volumes. Have you ever met someone when it's like, you can't quite put a finger on it, but for some reason, just their, their energy just kind of pisses you off? <laughs> makes you uncomfortable. And then some people, it's just feel calm around them. You feel good. You feel unjudged. Too often we pay attention too much to the words people say and not how they say it. In Thailand, Thai is a tonal language. So the tone changes the word, the meaning. It's very interesting. In the West, sometimes we're tone deaf. Start to pay attention to the body language of others. The facial expressions start to silently just be aware of people. And this will happen naturally as you're more aware of yourself. And you'll start to shatter a lot of the ideas that you may have known someone where you think, it just seems so confident. And, and you start to, you do enough meditation, you start to see like, hmm, it's not confidence actually, it's, it's insecurity. It's false bravado. So meditation and mindfulness, presence is like a superpower. It really is. If your energy is powerful enough, if you're centered enough, you can almost control social situations. You can facilitate in a quiet way. And the last thing I want to say is, I guess I'll try to sell, sell this a little bit. <laughs> There's so many different side effects that come from meditation. 
that are often not talked about, but should be you should know. Meditation can help your sexual performance, your connection with your partner, your ability to connect to people, to flirt, to read signals, to make people comfortable around you, to become a better listener to friends, to be a better family member. Meditation can be used to, for your creativity in writing. They put on all kinds of mindfulness workshops at Google. There's a reason for that. This is scientifically proven. Snipers in the military use breathing techniques. They call it breathing techniques, but it's the same thing as mindful breathing or meditation. It's focus, it's attention. And in a world where our attention is being hijacked, this is, you can reclaim your power. Our power is, has been stolen from us and we're not even aware of it. And this is the antidote. So I want you to reclaim your power and start to join other people who also want to better themselves and make a deeper connection in the world. And the last thing I'll say is, do not believe me. <laughs> Don't believe me. Don't believe anyone else. Find it all out for yourself. Experiment. Be open-minded. Don't be rigid. Don't follow people who are rigid. Have fun with it. Laugh. Don't be too serious. It shouldn't be serious. Any spiritual person, any meditation teacher who's too serious, run away. Have fun. And don't worry if you make a mistake or you get overwhelmed. Stop, start again. There are no rules. Be honest. Okay, everyone, I really appreciate your time and Thank you for listening, and if you're starting on your spiritual path, I'm really happy for you, and I would love to talk to you, and you can ask me anything. We can connect, and uh, stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you for tuning in. Peace.